The Large Hadron Collider at CERN is the biggest and most expensive science experiment ever built in the world, in the history of physics, in the history of the world, in fact, let's just say that. And it was looking, ironically, for the smallest possible things in the world. And the first one of those things was announced two, almost two years ago, the Higgs boson, uh, in July 2012. Now, we're going to discover what it is and why it's important in the film. But before we do, we're going to talk to two of the stars of the film, um, the director, Mark Levinson, and one of the uh, film stars uh, you're going to see, uh, Monica Dunford. So before I begin, Mark, just tell me, you're a, you're a particle physicist yourself in a, in a former life. Um, and then you, you decided to run off to the, the, the world of showbiz. What, how did you come running back to something like particle physics, which you know, is a complex, abstract topic that isn't necessarily made for making films? Well, I, yes, so I, I did get a PhD in particle theory. I mean, in the, in the end, it looks like I had the longest preparation for a film in, in the history of filmmaking um, because I went off and I got a PhD in physics nearly 30 years ago, and then I moved into actually uh, narrative filmmaking. And I was in the fiction world and uh, interested in telling stories. I mean, I, I, I felt that I had seen something in... in in, in art in general that paralleled the process of science in terms of trying to represent the world in a, in a simple way and finding interesting things. But I was really in the storytelling business. And I heard about a physicist who is uh, David Kaplan, who is, was a theorist at Johns Hopkins who had anticipated, he, he saw that this thing was going to start up. I mean, that, that, that in, as he says, you could almost, as a theorist, do a calculation that something was going to happen when this, happened, when this turned on. And um, he you know, really had this idea that it could be a film, that it could be an interesting film. And he tried to present it to some uh, potential investors. And uh, it turns out I was going to those investors for a script that I had written. And um, they actually were interested in the script, but they told me that there was a project about this physics experiment that they were not interested in because it was uh, the, you know, somebody who hadn't had film experience who uh, was an experiment. They didn't know if it would work. If it worked, they didn't know if it would find anything. They thought it sounded like a terrible film. And to me, it sounded like a natural you know, uh, cliffhanger. And so I actually contacted David. And you know, what was appealing to me was that I could possibly use the narrative sort of storytelling techniques and character-driven story ideas to tell this story, which was about something that was still very dear to my heart. I mean, that, that, you know, I did not think there had been a very authentic representation that really showed the excitement and the magnificence of this field, and that this had the potential to do it. And so I uh, jumped in. Now, Monica, when you're not being a film star, <laughs> tell us what you do at the Large Hadron Collider. It's much more mundane, I would have to say. Um, the film so star bit or the physics? <laughs> <laughs> Either, depending Which on the day. Um, so I am an experimental physicist, the opposite of what Mark trained as. Um, and I spend a lot of time making real um, the theories of particle physics. And so I lived at CERN for six years. I was there at the beginning of the turn on of the machine, which was uh, an amazing experience. We, you know, this was a machine that took 30 years to build. And you, know, you had entire generations of physicists and engineers who never knew if it would really work. I mean, we all believed that it would work to some extent. But until you really flip the switch, you, know, you think 30 years, maybe yes or no. And uh, so that was an incredible, exciting time. And I worked on one of the detectors, which was called the Atlas detector. You'll see many beautiful photos of it in the film. And I spent a lot of time cabling. 
Um, I spent a lot of time, yeah, a lot of time cabling. Um. <laughs> What's your specific task? I mean, what was, what was it you were given? Because there's more than 10,000 scientists involved. It's been in design for 20 years, this experiment. It's a prototype of itself. I mean, there's no other one like it. So everything was being tested for the first time. What was, tell me just the, the, the specific thing you did. Specifically, um, I tested cables. I mean, that, that's, that's honestly the, the truth of it. Um, I Actually, wish, you did many things. I, I did many things, but, but that, that was what I uh, remember These the must most. have been special cables. Though. These are very special cables. So, so, like... so one of the, the, the things about designing, as I said, making physics real is that, you know, here you have a collider. You're, tr you're colliding together protons at tremendous speeds. And one of the things about that is that it's a very high radiation zone. Um, as a matter of fact, if you were to stand in, by the detector while the beam is running, you would be killed, essentially, from the radiation. And so if it kills humans, then you can imagine that it also doesn't do a whole lot of good things for your electronics. And so what we did was we had to design the detector to be what we call very radiation hard, so very that it can withstand a, very, a lot of radiation. And anything that was sensitive had to run via cable um, to a shielded area. And so we have hundreds and thousands of miles of cable. And uh, many PhD students and postdocs like myself spent years you know, basically testing all of that, making sure that all the signals and the electronics that came from the detector made their way out, and then eventually above ground, and then eventually to computers. So, Mark, how do you make cabling interesting for two, <laughs> two hours on film? I have somebody like Monica doing it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the, I mean, this is the, the sort of background, and Monica sort of diminishes what she really, the other things that she was doing, which is, you know, she was in the control room, and this is one of the things that I found really for the first time that I went there, that there is a, a, a tension. I mean, there was an excitement. I mean, and, and that's the thing that we were trying to capture. And the good thing is, I mean, it worked out to be an incredibly interesting period of time and unique period of time in the history of physics. And it coincided with when we were filming, which was that period from 2008 to 2012 was when they were really they really did test it, and things happened. And there was, uh, you could feel it. You could feel uh, a palpable excitement, energy, exhaustion. And Monica was in the control room. And that's what you'll see is, I think, where, where you know, you can actually sense something. And, and it had dramatic potential. And it's one of the reasons why I chose the characters that we really focused on. Well, let me ask you a bit about that. Because um, constructing a film like this, making sure that people get to the end of it, and are interested, even if they're not interested in physics, requires good characters. And you say the word character rather than, these are pe real people being themselves. It's not like you're giving them scripts. Did you go through casting calls with the Large Hadron Collider physicists? Right. Or did you hang out for ages and think, that person's interesting, that person's interesting? Well, how did you do that? Um, yeah, no, it was not an open casting call. <laughs> <laughs> Sign up here if you want to be in a film. Um, well, it started, again, on the, there's a big division, and we'll talk about this in the film, uh, between theorists and experimentalists, people that are doing the theories versus people doing experiments. Uh, David Kaplan is a theorist. And so um, I started on the theory side with a core with David and then his mentor, uh, Samus Demopoulos, and then a close collaborator there's uh, Nima Karni Hamed, and, and a couple of other people. I mean, I did start with a little bit of a wider net there. On the experimental side, we had a little bit of a connection to Fabiola Giannotti, who, who became a very prominent character. And I actually contacted Fabiola the first time I went over there, and I asked her to give me a, a list of other people that I might uh, interview that might be of interest. You know, and I, I looked for a range of age and sex and specialty. 
And so she gave me about a half dozen names. I also was covering another experiment. We focus on the Atlas experiment. We were covering CMS. I had a list of those people. I did some pre-interviews um, and had a little bit of communication with people. And then I went over the first time and did, did extensive interviews. And um, out of that, you know, we, we started to narrow it down. And then it became clear, as I say, actually, as I would go over there for various events that were happening, um, that certain people emerged because they were, at, you know, they were at the center of the action. And so Monica was at the center of the action. Fabiola Gennady was. Martin Alexa became head of the control room. Uh, Mike Lamont became the head of beam operations at the LHC. So, so, you know, when I was going over, in each case, I was always looking for um, who's going to tell this part of the story the best and where is the action? And these are the people that did it. And, uh, yes. and Monica, um, the, the Large Hadron Collider has had a huge amount of publicity in the last few years. Um, the, the day that the Higgs boson announcement was made on July the 4th, 2012, the, um, uh, the CERN web servers crashed and no one could get the feeds. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? Uh, um, give, given that's the birthplace of the, uh, of the web. Um, and so lots of people were making films about these sorts of things and, and, and lots of people were there covering it in intense detail. Um, was it an intrusive bunch of people? Did, they, did you just want to get on with your experiments? Yes and no. I mean, I think that working with news media was very hard because usually what happens with news media is they, they, they're coming in, they want to do a short segment, and they need as much footage as fast as possible. And, you know, and so that was difficult because you would need to do something you know, in the control room, and they were like, you know, this is really taking a lot of time. Can you, can you speed that up? And you'd be like, no, I can't speed it up, you know. And so what was nice about Mark's team was is that, you know, you would say, well, I just have to spend the whole day in, con in the control room doing this. And they'd be like, great, great, we'll just, we'll just be here. Um, and so it was much, in that sense, it was much more relaxed. And, and I found this kind of filming was very non-intrusive, whereas I think filming for, for news media was very, uh, as I said, they, they have a mission and they need it done fast. For, for you personally though, um, why did you want to do it? Um, because uh, I've not met any physicist from CERN who doesn't want to talk to you if you're a journalist and there's lots of scientists who can't be bothered. Why do you do it? Well, for me, it's always, I've always been bothered by the perception of how physicists, what the perception of physicists is, you know, you... What is that perception Well, <laughs> you know, you sit, I mean, just, you just sit on a plane, right? And you're sitting next to somebody and you'll say, like, oh, you know, what do you do? And they'll say, oh, I'm, I'm a particle physicist. And you can just see the horror <laughs> on their face, right? I mean, it's just like, oh, God, did I, couldn't I have been sitting in 12B? You know, like, why next to this woman? And, and I think that, you know, many people, when they see the film and they see what we actually do, they find it fascinating and it's exciting. And, and I hope by the end of this film you will not love to know what the mass of the Higgs boson is and, you know, feel passionate about that. I, I think you will. And so I think when people walk away from seeing what, what we actually do, they think, yeah, that's cool. And so my goal was to be able to sit on a plane and say, I'm a particle physicist, and someone say, awesome, you know? <laughs> Specifically, she wants somebody from Google to say, hey, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's a competition between us and Google, I think. Uh, and Mark, the, um, so you're, like I said, you're a physicist by training a long time ago, and you had an interesting career back to this. Had, has physics changed since you've been there? Uh, in terms of the way it's done, the people. Okay. Well, I, I, I think first of all, uh, let's specify particle physics um, because that was the field that I was in. And uh, particle physics, I mean, in, in some grand sense, had not changed all that much. There had not been 
um, you know, new accelerators. Uh, uh, there were a couple of new concepts that come out, and so you know there were some things that I wasn't really familiar with. I mean, I'm certainly not an expert in it, but the basic constructs, the things that you know, they were looking for the Higgs, and they still were looking for the Higgs, and so that part of it had really not changed that much, and. Uh, that made it very compelling for me to, to jump in and, 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 and quick to sort of catch up on what was doing. I mean, essentially, once I did start, the nice thing is I didn't have to do years of background research like somebody who didn't have this background would have done. Um, I had done that. And so I could actually focus on the filmmaking. And, and I think what, what it, really, it really helped that I, I sort of knew what the stakes were and um, could, could just sort of identify who were the people that were the, the ones that were really going to be working on do you, it. And do you think the physicists opened up to you because you were one of them to some extent? Yeah, I would have to <laughs> totally agree with that. I think that, that one of the, the other challenges with filming with, with news media is that you know, news media is oftentimes looking for what they call the magic moment, right? And they don't really, they want that moment where you stop and you look at the television to see what's going on. And they don't care if that magic moment is negative or positive. Um, and so you constantly feel this tension that, oh God, am I going to say something stupid that's going to be cut in a way and I'm humiliated you know, on national television or something with this is the kind of, you, you, there's this tension between the, the interviewer and, and you. And then Mark, I think when, you know, when we first met for the first time, it was clear that you understood the culture and I think that many people in the control room felt that this was someone who we could trust that would tell the story in the way that we wanted it to be told. And so I think there, sort of the barriers kind of dropped, and it was a much more natural filming situation than filming with, uh, with you know, news media. And I suppose then, Mark, you, you get to a much deeper place in terms of the aspirations and aims and hopes and desires of all these people, rather than just explanation, because we get a lot of explanations about what the Higgs is and what it means to get it, but you don't get much emotion usually for in these sorts of interviews. I mean, is that what you were going for? Absolutely. And, 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 and look, I can still, I could, I, I could identify with that. I mean, I knew fundamentally why these people do it. I mean, it was what excited me about physics. I mean, it is, it is a phenomenal thing. I mean, that you can have this, I mean, look, the, the fact that us, you know, human beings, our tiny brains, that we've come up with this incredibly elaborate abstract mathematical structure, and it actually relates to something. And here it gets born out, you know, many years later with this, you know, $10 billion machine. That was something that I could relate to and I wanted to be able to communicate as well. Let me ask you, what, how did you feel on July the 12th? Uh, July the 4th, rather, 2012? Uh, I mean, I imagine all the physicists were heart pounding and cheering and things. Uh, and you understood it and everything, but you were there to make a film to capture the moment. Were you in that moment with them? Um, you know, anybody who's made a film knows that actually all you're trying to do is avert disaster when you're <laughs> shooting it. So, you missed uh, it. <laughs> so, so all I was thinking about was, oh my God, am I in the right place? Is my camera working? Is my sound working? Um, you know, I was, uh, I was following Monica and, and uh, Martin, and I was so worried about the practicality with the pressure knowing this is it, you know, in some sense, okay, this is it. I'm here. This is like either the end of the film or nothing, and uh, I better not screw it up. And uh, that was my main feeling. I, it hit me when I went home um, in the aftermath. And when I went home that night, when I went back, I mean, I was at CERN, when I went back to my apartment and I went on the internet and I looked and it was like, oh my God. I mean, it's like everywhere, every single newspaper in the world. And then I sort of sat back. <laughs> 
and I felt, okay, I covered it, and, uh, and I experienced it. And then you think, wow, oh, I was at the center of the universe, essentially, on this day. And, and also, I mean, even, for, I think it was exciting. I sense that, you know, with people even like Monica and Martin, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people themselves didn't realize how exciting it was going to be until you saw it. And that I also could sense. If I can offer one anecdote about how important that moment was, culturally speaking, I happened to be in New York at the time uh, on holiday. I'd chosen the wrong day to go on holiday. <laughs> but fortunately, my colleagues were uh, much more uh, experienced than me about these sorts of things, so they covered that, uh, the, the, the announcement very well. And uh, I was in New York, and I happened to be on Coney Island, where July the 4th, it was the annual hot dog eating competition. <laughs> it's a very big event in the US. It's en enormous. It's, it's, it's televised on C um, ESPN and stuff. They mentioned it there. Okay, wow. They mentioned wow. the yeah. hot dog eating contest. The, the MC, the MC announced it, uh, 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 the, announced the result a few hours later as, as he was announcing the world hot dog eating competition. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'd like to tell you that, you, you know, this, this is the, the, the impact you've had on American culture. Well, we can, well, you we must be proud. That. Yeah, I am. I, that's amazing. You know, Coney Island, of all um, places. But, yeah. I mean, the, the, Higgs, the, the, the Higgs boson, uh, the Large Hadron Collider, you're dealing with such abstract ideas, abstract ideas. I mean, the visuals are beautiful, and we'll see those in the film. Um, why do you think, Monica, that anyone is interested in this outside your world? I would rephrase the question. I mean, I would say, you know, I don't know of anyone who I've spoken to who has not been interested in the origins of the universe. And, you know, and basically, I mean, sure, this is a very abstract concept, and we're looking for something that is minuscule, you know, in size. Um, but it's really trying to probe, you know, how it is that we have, how, how the particles that make us up, how they have mass or weight. And, you know, and how sort of the universe has come to be in the way that it is. And I think when it's part of human questions, right, in order to, to sort of look beyond and say, you know, how is it that we got here? You know, how is it that, that the world is the way that it is? Well, you know, how is it that our universe has galaxies and with big empty spaces and all of these things? And so I think once you go back to the fundamental questions, it's, it seems obvious that everyone would be interested in it. But, I mean, the, the, uh, of course, in general terms, you can imagine people would be interested in this. Um, but, Mark, how do you make anyone interested in... The, uh, a set of mathematics and physics which takes years to learn, really, to really get the insights. Uh, I mean, how do you approach that in the film? How do you, or, or do you just sort of leave it to the people? Well, I think, you know, I, 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 I'm approaching it as a filmmaker, and, uh, you know, this was the thing that, from the beginning, the intent was always to use all of the tools of a narrative filmmaker in terms of, you know, trying to look for, you know, a, a structure of the story, uh, good characters. I mean, I think that was our focus was that we are, we're, it's going to be character oriented, so find good characters. And then um, decide what are the things to focus on and what things you can leave out. And we, in some sense, this is not the film that's going to explain all the physics. And we made that decision very early on um, that there are, other, uh, there are plenty of other things that do that, but that we wanted to tell the human start side of the story and then, um, you know, let people catch up with the things that they needed. And our, our mantra always was, uh, in terms of the physics, just enough, just in time, that you can follow what the stakes are. And so, I mean, this is, I think, what, what, the, what the technique was, was to try to construct something. And I, I you know, brought in a, a phenomenal editor, uh, Walter Murch, who I'd worked with on, on many films. 
um, and you know had really developed certain uh, you know ways of collaborating and certain styles that we applied to this. We we did talk about. I mean, I, I, I this is my first documentary. I always worked in the feature world, and I found out that people usually talk about the subjects in a documentary. We talked about our characters. I mean, you know, and you know, you know, are we showing the right thing? What are they doing? And and you know, what's happening with them? Do we need to check in with them? So, for me, the way to get across this was to focus on characters. And the interesting thing is. What I found is the mathematics. I mean, you know, when people see the mathematics, I, quite a number of people have said that, you know, I look at these, I look at these people doing it, don't understand a thing, but I take pride in the fact that somebody does, <laughs> that we're sort of part of the same race, you know, and that's great. That's right. And, and Monica, one of the things that um, is a burden, I suppose, of um, news media, um, filmmakers, anyone who's trying to cover science, is that you speak to a scientist. You go in, you make your thing, and the first thing the scientist says is, well, you've not put all the details in. Of course, the whole point is knowing what to leave out, as, as Mark has said. And I wonder, you and your colleagues, when you watch films like this, it's two hours out of tens of thousands of hours of people's time over 20 or 30 years. Um, you're not going to have everything in there. Do you sense that there could have been more physics in there, there could have been more detail, whatever? What's your... I mean, you seem very happy with each other, so yeah, I'll no, just no, raise uh, some issues, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think that, that for sure you can, there's always an infinite amount of detail that you can go into. And even physicists, you know, so at some point we get bored with our own details and we have to cut it off. <laughs> um, I think what the film does an excellent job of is keeping the essence of the science correct. It, it, the science is perfectly correct. Um, and it has left off some of the details, but they're not important, right? It, what's important is that you understand, and as Mark said, they understand the stakes that are involved and whether or not you understand, you know, the, the details of some of the distributions that you might see someone holding on, a, you know, on the screen of a laptop. It's irrelevant. Um, what's important is that the essence of the science is there, and, and it's done, in my opinion, perfectly. Yeah. Did you feel any pressure, given that you were representing tens of thousands of people's work? Well, did, did this occur to you at some point? <laughs> well, I knew that you know that I would hear it from them. Um, <laughs> that's the thing is that you know I, that I knew that you know I would be standing in the CERN cafeteria getting lunch and I would get you know tapped on the shoulder or something. So, and the fact that that I've been tapped on the shoulder with only positive reviews of the film indicates that uh, that my colleagues are are happy. So. so, have you shown this film at CERN? Yes, um, uh, we did a very sort of uh, low profile screening for just some people in December and then we just had a big screening actually as part of the Cineglobe Film Festival in March and that was really wonderful. I mean it was really um, you know, every audience has its own character. This was like family movies. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, the people are like pointing at each other, and you know, everybody was there, and um, it was it was really terrific. And you know, I mean, this gets to a very important issue: is that it was really important to us that it feel authentic to the community. I mean, David is in the community, so he has a, you know he has a lot at stake in that regard. And that was also one of the things that you know I think justified it in people's minds and you know we felt confident I mean you know I understood the physics you know at a certain level uh, there are, you know are other things that have developed that but you know David was always there to correct that as well and we had we had the physics the physicists input to know that what we said was right and uh, we felt confident that we could leave out certain things that uh, were fine and, and and in a sense because of David and me we felt you know, it would probably be fine with the rest of the physics community as well. Uh, you know, um, I'm just wondering, why, why this particular 
boson rather than the other many, many particle discoveries that the Large Hadron Collider or Fermilab or other particle accelerators have made. Why do you think this one has really captured so much attention, uh, not only in media and public and in film? It's the first time I've seen a particle physics film. Uh, well, yeah. it's 50 years, 50 yeah. years since it was proposed. Um, and it's the last of the particles of the standard model. So this completes the theory in some You're sense. You're in the unknown now. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I mean, we don't believe that, the, that our theory of physics is, is complete. Um, but the theory of the standard model, which has never been experimentally disproved at this point, is so it was the last puzzle of that, or last piece of that puzzle. And, um, and I think 50 years, that's, that's a long time of waiting. You know, the Tevatron, we also discovered the, the top cork at the Tevatron, but it somehow, the stakes were high at the LHC. The stakes were just high. This was the last, if we did not see the Higgs boson at the LHC, there would be no other accelerator. And it, and it really is a unique particle. I mean, you know, it's, there's nothing else like it. I mean, the others, you know, are, are groups, you know, they were filling in pieces. This is a unique particle. It has never been seen before of, that, of this sort. Yeah. And it was the central aspect of it. So, you know, and then from the public's point of view, I mean, you know, that it was labeled the God particle, which is this hated. You know, it, 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 you know, there were just, it was a, a sort of tsunami pointing towards this thing um, if it happened. <laughs> I mean, the Large Hadron Collider opened up in 2008, uh, was it 2008? Um, before uh, before, the, before, yeah. the, uh, before the baguette stopped it for a year, uh, <laughs> <laughs> for the falling baguette. Um, but then it, it's taken a few years to find the, the Higgs, which is essentially a calibration test more than anything else. Now you're going to start the real frontier physics. Just can you give us a sketch of what's to come? So we ran for essentially two, well, three, we had three years, but, but sort of we had three different data sets. Um, and this was at 7 and 8 TeV, um, if TeV is just a, a unit of energy that we use. So we're going to be basically moving now to 14 TeV, so twice the energy. And this is where we really hope to be able to discover, so as I said, we have this theory of the standard model, which is complete with the Higgs boson, but it doesn't answer some very fundamental questions about the universe, and so we believe that that theory is part of a bigger theory. And at 14 TV, this, is where the, this was what the machine was designed to run at. Um, we just ran it at slightly lower energies to be on the cautious side. Um, there were some accidents. There the were beginning. some accidents. There were some very big accidents. But then, um, you know, not, not, not so bad considering how complicated the machine is. Yes, yeah, not so well. I'm not sure we would have said that <laughs> at that time, but, uh, but yes, indeed. And so now we're going to run with the full design energy, and this is where we really hope to be able to, to say, okay, if there is a theory outside the standard model, we should see it. And if not, well, let's just, just let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I suppose, uh, could, could you just give me a sense of what are the big questions now? It's, it's about dark matter, isn't it? It's about dark energy and those sorts of things which we can't account for in the universe. That's what you're really Yeah, so these towards. are two, of the, so two of the big questions are, for example, you know, when we look at the universe, um, we see that the universe is made of matter. It's made of electrons and protons that make up the atoms that make up you and I. And we see very little antimatter. So we don't see any positrons, anti-electrons, and we don't see any anti-protons. Uh, we see very little. And there is no reason for this. Um, you would expect that from the Big Bang that you have equal amounts of matter and antimatter. And yet the universe is completely matter-dominated. Why is this? 
Um, the standard model has no explanation for this, um, or it has an explanation, a little explanation for it, but not enough. So that's one big question. And the second big question is then, when we also look out to the universe, we see that, and if we look at all the stars and we were to count all of the, the mass, how heavy all of those stars were, they, and when we look at the galaxy as a whole, we can see that the galaxy has a lot more mass in it than that's in stars. And we have no explanation for this. We have absolutely no, we've eliminated that it's, you know, gas nebulae running around or that it's, you know, stars that don't emit a lot of light. All of these possibilities have been eliminated. So what we see is that, that if we look at the amount of what they call the energy budget of the universe, that 4% of it is us. And 25, 20, 25% of it is what we call dark matter. And the rest, 75%, is what we call dark energy. But if you were to think about it, it means dark matter is kind of a question mark, and dark energy would be like 10 question marks. Um, and that's troublesome. You know, I mean, when you think, gosh, I really only understand 4% of the universe. So there's that lots to do. Me, yeah. There's lots to do. Yeah, yeah. And Mark, are you, uh, are you already hiring cameras to film all of this? <laughs> Please tell me you are. Well, I, I, if I knew there was a definitive experiment to find dark matter, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, I hope this is still it. I mean, uh, you know, this is, I mean, I think for a lot of people, the greatest hope would be to find new particles and uh, have them possibly be the basis for our understanding of dark matter. New particles, new dimensions, mini black holes. It's, it's going to get even more exciting from now, isn't it? They're all possible. You just need to have little cameras attached to your heads. Yeah. And you can do the whole thing Yeah, there. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, like a little, yeah, no, no thanks. Well, thank you very much, Monica and Mark. Um, we're going to now watch this. This is the very first time this film's been shown in public. So uh, you're all very, very lucky to be here. And uh, can I just ask you to give a round of applause to Monica and to Mark? <laughs>